0: What's going on, everybody? It is the first episode of 2024 of Catfish on Ice. This is your host, Chad Minton, with co-host Max Greenberg. We've got 2024 off to a outstanding start with the Predators, beating yep. that so-called team from Chicago. So we're off on the right foot already. Absolutely, and I was there in attendance yesterday, so that was even better. How was the atmosphere,
1: man? How was the, uh, was it a good crowd? Was there a lot of Blackhawks fans? Not too much, honestly. Like it was, it was pretty clearly, you know, Preds fans, and it was also one of those games where we had the, um, it was um, the gold, um, they had gold shirts over the seats. It was one of those games where everyone was there, and it was, it was really good, man. We of course we got the shutout win, so it was even better.
0: It started off as a little bit of a snoozer, and uh, you were kind of worried about the Predators kind of needing to wake up a little bit, but eventually, they showed that they were by far the superior team. UC Saros gets his 22nd career shot out as second of the season. So we are really going to. Yes. We are going to break down that game tonight to open up episode 215 in the opening faceoff. Also, going to list off some players who are facing the most pressure in 2024. So I'm sure we're going to really dive into that. I've got four players, in my opinion, that I think are facing the most pressure. On this team, I'm sure Max is going to chip in on that as well. Yep. Got to do our New Year's resolutions surrounding this team right now. Got do. We do that every year. We're doing it again this year. Uh, first of all, Max, how was your New Year's Eve as well? It was great. And actually, New Year's Eve is my
1: birthday. So it was a good birthday and a good celebration all around.
0: Nice. That's always yeah. a inter- that's an interesting birthday to have on New Year's it Eve, is. definitely. Absolutely. Awesome. And then also, we are going to reveal who has won a t-shirt two winners get a t-shirt and a sticker i've got the hat right here i've got all the people who responded for this t-shirt that i'm wearing our new podcast t-shirt i'm wearing it right now and we've got some stickers we will be sending in them out to two random winners that i will be drawing out of this preds hat live on the show so stay tuned for that we'll do that in the middle of the episode also what else do we have to get into here um, let's see Really, so a lot of things are going on out there about the Winter Classic. Of course, the Seattle Kraken won their Winter Classic game over the Vegas Golden Knights. So I want to throw a question out there to all of Smashville. Whenever the Predators finally get to host a Winter Classic, it might be a long ways down the road because Nissan Stadium is no longer going to be available for that outdoor game. But just hypothetically, which team would you most want to see the Predators face if they hosted a Winter Classic? And honestly, I'm not sure how that's going to
1: work moving forward because, I mean, I, I'm, at least I'm pretty sure the new stadium is not going to be retractable. V- Vanderbilt Stadium, I think, is going to be the only option going forward. Ooh,
0: not yeah, that is I not think, ideal. Well, at Vanderbilt Stadium, this doesn't hold enough people. That's the problem. It's not really. At least it would you know, fill. It's not the location. What's that? It would. At least it would fill. I guess it would definitely fill, but I'm pretty sure the NHL would want a seating capacity of more than 30,000. Yeah. That's or really that unfortunate. I mean, we're, we're,
1: only The only option that might be suitable is first
0: horizon park where the Nashville sounds play. And I can guarantee you that's not happening. That wouldn't work either. That's, that, that's I don't think likely. that would work either. No, I think they would have to wait for an MLB park to finally come, which that could be years and years and years down the road. If so ever. Yeah. They've been talking about that for years. It's yeah. one of those, you'll I'll believe it when I see it type of things. Right. Uh, so, exactly. yeah. Still wanted to ask that question. Also, a new segment for 2024. I'm calling it the Smashville Pulse. We are going to scan some of the biggest topics that I've come across from the Smashville fan base each week on Catfish on Ice. Two topics that are swirling around this week that I've seen the most brought up across Facebook and on on um, X is one being UC Soros. Should he be traded? Should he not? Is there confidence in Ascarf? Big surprise there that that topic comes back up again. Yep. And also, this one was a random one that came up. Yep. When it came up through our contest, which was name the most underrated player in Preds history in your opinion. Colton Sissons was a very popular choice. Yeah. But somehow someone brought up Colton Sissons better than Matt Duchene. So people got back and forth on who made the bigger impact on the franchise. Obviously, Matt Duchesne was here for a much shorter amount of time and is a much more offensively skilled player. But then you've got Colton Sissons, who does all the little things, who's got the longevity. That was an interesting debate. So I'm going to unpack some of those comments that I came across in our new segment called The Smashville Pulse. So we'll do that to close out episode 215 of Catfish Nights. The first episode of 2024 so max let's get into it let's start breaking down this 3-0 win for the predators over the blackhawks they are now 3-0 and 0 against the blackhawks this season so that's always a good thing i don't care how bad the blackhawks are you'll always take three wins in a row over the blackhawks for a any season. day you beat the blackhawks no matter how good or bad you play whenever you beat the blackhawks it's
1: a good day especially for the preds
0: Yes, for sure, and of course, you shut down Connor Bedard. 3 games, no goals, only one assist mm-hmm. from Connor wow. Bedard in these 3 games. And in last night's game, he was held to no shot shots on goal, which is yeah. just a really crazy stat in and of itself yeah. and is a huge testament to how well the Predators game plan defensively for this game, and their game plan was very straightforward. We are not going to let Connor Bedard beat us. And
1: that's a very effective plan for a team like the Blackhawks. Because even with Bedard, that's still a bottom three roster
0: in the league. And they don't have Taylor Hall. Very Yeah. And, and, and look, they, help, they hold the Blackhawks to under one expected goal, which is just in, the, in today's day and age in the NHL. I don't care who you're going up against. In today's day and age, that is just really, really difficult to right. do. So the Predators came in with that game plan and worked it to a T. They held... Connor bedard out of, of of this game he didn't make any impact whatsoever on this game and you just don't you like your chances against the blackhawks when Connor bedard's not making an impact you really Absolutely. do yeah I mean, he's
1: literally there yeah like like i said with taylor hall how, he's like their only guy basically
0: and it was a snoozer let's be honest here i mean the way this game opened up You know, the Predators were kind of fumbling around as well, even though they were dominating possession and the Blackhawks weren't doing much. It was a pretty boring game to watch there for a while. And then Gus Nyquist breaks through with what was, you can call it a good shot by him, but it was also a really, really weak goal to give up by Soderbloom. And it goes to show you why he's one of the worst goalies in the league statistically right now. So, you take that goal and then your other two goals from the Predators a five on three goal for a power play by Ryan O'Reilly, and then the empty netter from Luke Evangelista.
1: Yeah, it it did kind of have that feeling. I thought the first period was pretty good. I thought we kind of took it to him with with good pressure. We got some chances. Second period, I thought was really the main snoozer. And going into for a while in that third period, it felt like the Preds were kind of asking to let the Blackhawks slide the game. We were missing chances and penalties were happening. I was like, I was sitting there like, This We could let this go. I feel. I honestly feel like, you know, if we were playing another team but the Blackhawks, it might have been a very different result.
0: For sure. I was more worried about the Predators taking that penalty to close out what was at the second period, and they had to come out on the penalty kill to open the third period. Two minutes. And we had one also in
1: the first period, too. Lausanne had a penalty that carried over into the second. So that's not great. I mean, penalties still have not really been a non-issue under brunette, and that's maybe an understatement. Honestly, they, they've they've still kind of been a problem.
0: That's your turning point of the game, right there. Though, is the Predators being able to open that third period without surrendering a power play goal that could have completely flipped the game around and made things oh, yeah. really uneasy? Because after you get out of that, shortly after they kill that penalty off, is when the Predators got the five on three power play and Ryan O'Reilly gets his 15th goal of the year, and he just continues to dominate on the power play. And what I loved about this five-on-three, so I was watching the Blackhawks broadcast in this game, just because, you know, I, sometimes I like to hear the other team's announcers, see how they call the game. And I posted I posted the video on my um, on my X account if you want to go check it out. But it was such perfect timing. So right off the opening face-off to open up this five-on-three uh, power play, the announcer goes on, on and says, uh, Huge penalty kill coming up for the Blackhawks to turn momentum around, and then not two seconds later, O'Reilly's there, wide it open was net, automatic. Just like it literally was right timing. off the draw. And it, like I was literally done. Like I was putting a tweet saying Preds
1: on the five on three, the huge opportunity. And then right, right away, Forsberg to O'Reilly, done.
0: Two point games tonight from Gus Nyquist and Ryan O'Reilly. Nyquist is on a six game point streak right now. He is on a tear lately. We have like just got been to go ahead.
1: Crazy well lately.
0: I'm. I can go ahead and tell you right now. The vast majority of Smashville fans right now need to go ahead and say they got this one wrong, including myself. When Nyquist was signed, no one was getting all excited and crazy and and making a big deal about this signing. I thought it was a very underwhelming signing. I didn't see anything exciting about it at all. This guy is making a massive impact on the success that the Predators have had so far this season. He, feel, he, he he was the final piece to the Predators finally having a secure top line, something they really haven't had since the Jofa line, the great day, glory days of the Jofa line. So the fact that the Predators finally have a top line that they can absolutely trust and hopefully take into the playoffs with them if they qualify for the playoffs – Gus Nyquist is an underrated MVP of this team so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I was one of the,
1: and I actually, and I, I have receipts over this. I wrote an article saying that was actually one of the signings that I was actually pretty on board with. And even then, I, I undersold it for what it was. Like I was like a decent signing for a team that's rebuilding. He'll be a good, you know, he'll be a good stopgap for the youngsters. But I did not, even I did not imagine he would have the impact he's having, especially in these past, like especially the past three games. He's been making plays these past three games especially and it's great to see a guy like that meshing so well with the top line also speak again speaks to Brunette's system favoring the offensive style and he's has great chemistry with forsberg and o'reilly
0: i mean you can't overvalue how important it is to have a secure and reliable top line all the great teams that are going to do anything special in the playoffs have a top line that, that, that they can just completely rely on yep. and the Predators that was a blender the top line was a blender for a long time under John Hines like the whole Andrew time. Burnett Andrew Burnett has his top line and credit to Barry Trotz for identifying that Gus Nyquist could really really help this team you know no one was really on board with going out and getting aging veterans in, in the 2023 off season. We were all a little skeptical of that strategy. Yep. And there are still plenty of fans, a segment of fans out there who still don't like the fact that they went out and signed aging veterans that aren't going to get the predators to the next level of winning a Stanley cup. That's a debate for another day, but you cannot argue the fact that Gus Nyquist has been a major, major surprise for this team. Just what he's contributing, he is. You know, I never watched Nyquist that closely when he played for his previous stops, but the guy is a really, really smooth skater with the puck. He is absolutely, yeah. He's and he has smooth
1: a, as silk. Yeah, and he hasn't lost it as he's aged either. I mean, he's, and that's another thing with Brunet's system. I mean, he. Brunette's system is so, so heavily favors great skaters who can skate all across the ice, and that's a and it's a perfect fit. So, you know, credit to again, like you said, credit to Barry Trotz for identifying that fit because you know it's in a league like the NHL and all sports leagues, it's it's all about fit.
0: So Nyquist is already up to twenty nine points in thirty eight games this year. So he's played in all thirty eight games for the Predators so far. As we said, he's got a six game point streak going. So he is having a revival of his NHL career right now of sorts, and it looks like he has landed in the in, in a great spot. If you look at both O'Reilly and Nyquist, they have really gotten rejuvenated with the with the Predators. You know, they've hey. had accomplished NHL careers before they landed in Nashville this year, but they're kind of getting a new jolt back into their NHL careers um with, with Nashville right now. And if nothing else, and maybe I'm
1: kind of Maybe I'm kind of spoiling the party here, but if nothing else, Barry Trotz got a good asset that he could trade and get things in return. I mean, that's for a team like the Predators that are going to rebuild and who knows it probably won't be traded this deadline, maybe next because he's got two years on his contract. But if Barry Trotz decides he wants to sell high on one of his players and get a good return, someone's going to pony up to pay for Gus Nyquist. And it's not like they're going to have to retain salary. I mean, he's on a cheap deal. I think – what's it, like two or th- – I think it's $3 million a year. That's still really good for a guy like Nyquist.
0: And you need guys like that. If you're going to make the playoffs to be successful in the playoffs, you got to have veterans who have been there and done that. So, you know, just – been really pleasantly surprised with what Nyquist has done for this team so far. Looking more at the stats here in this 3-0 win over the Blackhawks, uh, the Preds completely dominated possession in this game. 36 shots on goal, Blackhawks only get 21. They dominate the faceoff circle. They go two for four on the power play. Um, the the giveaways and the takeaways are pretty, pretty close there. The, and the Preds will play the Blackhawks one more time this year in April in Chicago. Let's go for that four-game sweep again. How about that? Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? All right. So now looking at the standings, looking at the standings right now, the Predators holding on to that top wild card spot in the Western Conference with 43 points. Your second place team is in the wild card is the Arizona Coyotes. The Preds do have games in hand still over the rest of the division. So Little bit misleading you there. Way, but, you mean the other way around? Yeah, they've got extra games played. Is what I meant to yeah. say. Sorry about that. Yeah. So you know, can't be standings watching too much this time of the year. But it is nice to see the Predators right there in the thick of things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and they got a. They got. A, they let it get a little bit away from them
1: during the past week and a half on the kind of losing streak we had, but it's they're still right in it. It's They could easily still take a spot in the top three in the division if they go on another streak like they went in November,
0: December. Although that's, also, that's this is our lo- first episode. That's a fairly lofty expectation. Let's that, not act like that's going to be the this is our uh, this is our first episode since before Christmas. So we there's a lot we've missed and a lot we really have yep. to quickly touch on since then. The biggest one being that complete just fall apart – Stretch against Dallas that that game. I don't. It's going to take us take me a long time to get over that game. At least you weren't there in person. Nope, I was in an airport, and <laughs> when I got when my when my plane took off, the Predators were winning two nothing, and it was looking good. And then I land in Nashville to find out that the Predators fell apart in the last sixty seconds of the
1: game. My buddy who I was with of the game that day. Literally after the game ended, we sat in our seats for five minutes after we were like, this did not just happen.
0: Ugh. Like, ugh. And then since then, we since our last episode, we've also seen Yaroslav Skarov make his second career start, his first of the season, and he got the win. What did not you – I know we're going back a little bit. What did you see in Yaroslav Oskarov's first start of the season? I mean, it, it, the Capitals. I mean,
1: it's not perfect, of course, but I thought for, I thought for his it, it well, second ever NHL action. I thought he looked pretty comfortable. He didn't seem rattled. He wasn't getting, he wasn't getting faked out really. I thought he looked like a guy who had done it before. And of course, like I say, he wasn't like a completely seasoned pro, but it looked like a guy who was not intimidated by the big moment. It again, you know, for the circumstances, it looked like a guy who it was about what you expected. The one thing I will say about Askarov and. It's just something that's going to happen with him probably. And we're going to have to live with it. He's just going to have to learn this the hard way. He's very prone to playing the pucks sometimes maybe a mm. little recklessly. One of these times yes. he's going to get burned and we're going to say what we want, but he's just going to have to learn that lesson some point because sometimes he's going to learn the hard way. And I believe, it's, I believe it's been him a few times in
0: Milwaukee before. Oh, it's it's definitely going to burn him eventually. It is inevitable. It's going to get him eventually. It's something he's going to have to learn. And he's going to have to get it out of his system. Yep. But he is a very confident player, and sometimes that confidence can work against him. Maybe you know yep. it's kind of a um, you live and die by it. Like you don't want you don't want to ever take away that player's confidence. But maybe rein him in a little bit. And be like, hey man, we can't we can't have you going out there and trying to play the puck and play it off the boards. Um, right. He's not a seasoned NHL veteran. They can get away with stuff like that, like Soros can, for instance. So he definitely has to rein that in a little bit, be a little bit more conservative in those situations. But in terms of a lot of positives to take away from his second start, he showed a lot of poise, like you said, a lot. He looked very comfortable out there. He made some really difficult saves. The Capitals definitely were coming towards the end of that game, coming after them. And then, of course, the shootout. He goes perfect in the shootout, including stopping Alex Ovechkin, probably his childhood hero. Yep. Um, I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. I will say, you know, my big takeaway, and this is the really
1: important thing here. I believe one of the last podcasts before this, maybe one before, we were talking about when we could see him realistically have a full-time backup job in the NHL. And I was thinking from what I had heard from people who I know watch the Admirals really carefully, I was thinking it's not going to be at least for another maybe – you know, at least year or two. But I'm thinking after this game, it might could be within I maybe mean, maybe not this year, but next year. You you got a legit chance of them coming down and being the backup. I mean, I that game made me think it may not be as as long as I thought it was gonna be.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's just one game, so we can't right. overreact to right. just one game. You know, I've been pretty clear on what I how I feel about it. I think you got to figure out a way to trade Kevin Lincoln in and 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 mm-hmm. call up. Askarov to close yep. out this season it doesn't mean he stays up here permanently or that he's that he doesn't start back in Milwaukee next year but I'm thinking if you're the predators and you're Barry Trotts and you're the scout scouting department you've got to get some serious game film of Escarov on the NHL level before you make a decision on what you're going to offer UC Soros yep and also if you actually are going to trade lankin and i think you got to get a scar of a handful of starts this season cuz you really need to see you need to see a larger sample size than just one start last season and one start this season and of course the only reason he was even in the game is cuz lankin is dealing with an illness right. that seems to be lingering we'll see if um how long before we see kevin lankin back in the mix but we don't he really was, know what's was, going on there he was on the bench yesterday i think he's fine now yeah. So, I mean, maybe we just see one start for a and, but I just, I'm of the belief that you got to get more film on a on the NHL level before you can make any decisions on these goalies.
1: No, I, I agree. And that's another, that's also another thing is like seeing that game that a played against Washington, that made me think, okay, it, it's, it makes sense to trade Lincoln and at least see what you have in a And if it falls flat on its face, it's like, okay, I mean, you're still enough, even though, even though, the Preds went on that winning streak. We're in the we're in the playoff spot potentially. You can't forget, this is still a rebuilding team, and it's okay to test out Ascarov in a year like this where your expectations, and you, you still have to be patient with this team, but in a year like this, it's okay to give a scar off the backup job at least towards the end of the year.
0: I am right there with you on that one. A couple other things I want to touch on before we move on to the next segment. Let's go back to the Blackhawks game just now that we witnessed the last game here. Um, more bad news for Cody glass. He gets healthy scratched again. Yeah. Um, he's only played in 16 of the team's 38 games. Some of that is yeah. due to injury, but he's also been healthy scratched a few times. Yeah, it's um, not it's becoming injuries. more, it's becoming more and more dim right now, because right now the predators are choosing to go with Michael McCarron at center, um, instead of, and you, so was at center this past game. And then of course, Novak and O'Reilly are your top six centers, so, there's just, I mean, they've tried to put Cody Glass on the wing, and I just don't think he's going to ever work out on the wing. He's got to be no, a center. I don't think so. Really. He's a center. And right now, the Predators are way more content with rolling with the centers that they got right now with Parson. Parson looks way better at center than Cody Glass does right now. What um, so does Michael McCarron? And Cody Glass doesn't fit the bill of being a fourth-line center at all. No. Not at you're all. You're not going to take away that. You're not going to take out that physicality that Michael McCarron brings you and force feed Cody Glass into the lineup where he's probably not going to excel in that spot. Yeah, so, right now, unfortunately, Cody Glass is on the outside looking in right now, and I don't know how he gets back in unless an injury happens.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I actually wrote an article a few weeks ago about Glass, and I pretty much said in that article, I looked on and I was doing, I actually did a lot of research for that article. I looked on Money Puck and and the, um, the analytics on the underlying analytic underlying analytics actually show that like Glass has been better this year than, you know, it might seem, you know, he's actually been decent. Yeah. He, he's actually been fairly, um, highly graded when he's been on the ice in a lot of these categories, but like it's, he's not, he's still not, you got to make most of your opportunities and he's, it's, it's hard right now. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's could be that he's not getting his chances, but like when you're on the ice and you get your chances, you got to make them count. And he hasn't done that. And it's hard and it's really hard to, it's really hard to manage it, especially with a roster that's one of, or a Preds roster where it's one of those where you just can't play everyone.
0: Absolutely. So this is a perfect segue into our next segment of episode 215 of catfish and ice. And that is players facing the most pre- pressure for the Predators in 2024 this is just my opinion but of course i want to get everyone's thoughts on this as well and so i've got it on the screen right here my short list and of course perfect segue because cody glass is not is tops on my list right now yes. of players facing the most tall, pressure
1: tall on, on yeah no argument there
0: so what is what, how does cody glass get back into the predators lineup well I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to play another game. He's obviously, they're going to give him another no, chance man. at some point to get back in there. But then who do you scratch to get Cody Glass back in? Um, maybe Trenton gets Trenton got scratched recently, and I've got him on yep. my list as well, but for a different reason. But, man, I just don't know how you put Cody Glass in right now, unfortunately, because no one else on this team is playing poorly enough to justify taking them out to put Glass in. That's the problem you have right now. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, it, it, and I, he, I mean, he's playing well, but like because of the center, do you take out Michael McCarron and maybe bump Colton Sissons down to fourth because he kind of fits that bill better? I mean, you you got a lot of tough decisions to make, and it's also reason you know you could that's why it may be easier to trade a guy like Trenton at the deadline because you know you got you got to make room at some point. I mean, you can't just you can't be sitting Cody Glass forever. That's just not signed- good for
0: anyone. I mean, he signed for another year as well. So yeah. he's at a $2.5 million cap hit. He's got one year left. I can't see the trade market being too crazy for Cody glass. And I don't think trots wants to give up on Cody glass either no. right now.
1: Mm-mm. Nope. You've nah, got, you've
0: got to give this, t- you've got to give Cody glass time to, to prove that he can belongs yep. in this lineup. So at some point, Andrew Burnett's going to have to find a way to get Cody glass back into the lineup. And maybe oh, yeah. it's the same situation that that uh, Philip Tomasino and Luke Evangelista went through or went through earlier in this season. It's a reset. We've heard that term thrown around a lot for these young players where Andrew Burnett likes to call it a reset, a little mini reset for these players, these younger players when they get in these funks. And so maybe for Cody Glass, he's getting his little reset right now. And when he. But here's why he's facing more pressure than maybe anybody on this Preds team right now. He's got to make the most of every game he gets right now because he kind of is playing for his NHL future right now with the the Predators. And what also kind
1: of sucks about the Glass situation is for guys like, you know, Tomasino and Evangelisa, you could say, okay, you know, just give him the Milwaukee reset or something like that. But Glass is on a one-way contract. You can't send him to Milwaukee without putting him on waivers. And Lord knows Trotz does not want to do that. Like there's you either play him in Nashville or not at all.
0: Oh, I think Cody glass would absolutely be claimed on waivers. If you, Oh yeah. Not clear waivers. No no
1: chance. He makes it through no chance. No, not at all. Got a
0: lot of people jumping in the comments here. Active chat room tonight. So I appreciate all of you get the conversation going in the comments. We got Buster in here saying, Hey, we got Nikki in here. Mike Twitter is on here. Uh, we got Tooth Tiger in here saying good evening to everybody. Justin Gambino's in here. Man, we got a packed house That's tonight. Great, I love, to, you see packed love tonight. to see it. Love to see it. All right, so out. let's move down my list here. Let's get to Yakov Trenin. I've been talking about this a lot as well. I've written about it. Yep. I got a lot of pushback. I got a lot of pushback, especially on Facebook from a lot of fans thinking that I'm posting fake news and all this stuff. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying he's for sure getting traded. I am not an insider. I am just like you guys. I post my thoughts and my opinions about the Predators. My opinion and my thought is that Yakov Trinan is going to be very, very difficult to re sign in free agency. Absolutely. And it would be one of those situations where you don't want to lose this particular player, but you might not have a choice, especially with a UC Soros contract extension that's looming over us. You've got some other really important free agents that you have to get signed, including Tommy Novak this offseason. So, I I don't know. I just, I mean, and Yakov Trenin is not an old player by any means, but he's also kind of starting to get into that middle part of his career where you feel like his ceiling is pretty low and he is who he is. He's very important to your team. You don't want to lose him. But he's probably hit his ceiling. I don't see him suddenly yeah. becoming a fifty-point scorer or anything like that. Yeah, no, I, I very much think Yakov
1: Trenin is a player who he is what he is, and you know, you you don't ideally want to lose him, but you don't want you certainly don't want to lose him for nothing. With the with how you know with with how um, crazy this roster is right now, with you know guys not being able to, not everyone able to play, you might just be better off getting a you know mid round draft pick for him and just saying you know, but at least we got something and we can make more room on the roster for guys like. Cody Glass to come in and play. I mean, yeah, I I very much agree that Trennan's someone who, you know, should be trade at the deadline. And he probably won't and he probably won't again, you can't resign everyone, that's for sure. You know, you gotta there's a lot of players that the Pretz have UFA's and RFAs. But yeah, you know, I for a guy like Trennan, I would definitely trade him for, you know, a mid round pick. And, you know, and you're right in the sense that, you know, he is what he is and he's not just suddenly gonna become this top six. I mean, Col- I mean, Colton Sissons has had a breakout year this year, but I, I don't see Trenton being as the player Sissons is, and I think you'd very much agree
0: with that. Oh, for sure. So I'm pulling up – I mean, I've, I've looked at this list a million times, but I'm going to pull it up again just so I make sure I get it right. So your 2024 free agents coming up, both RFAs and UFAs for the Predators, coming up in the 2024 offseason. You've got seven Fords on this roster who will be either a UFA or an RFA yep. this offseason. You know for sure that Tomasino, Parsonen, and Novak are all top priorities to be resigned because they are your young core. They are your young nucleus that should be that you have to keep as part of the retool that you're ca- talking about. It should be pretty easy to get all three of those players uh, resigned with no problems at all but then you go further down the list Michael McCarran is a UFA key for sure what is a UFA and Cole Smith is a UFA they're all signed to very minimal deals right now i could i could see maybe two of those three getting brought back you're not keeping all three of those players probably no. past next offseason no yeah again you again you just can't keep everyone
1: you just you can't do it in a cap league and the preds the preds having so many guys they got to bring back it's, yeah i mean someone is Someone's going to be collateral damage at the end of the day.
0: So the reason why I put Trenton on this list is facing pressure is he's kind of playing for for the market, for his market value. He's playing, he he needs to have a kind of a career type of year for him. He needs to definitely up his point production a little bit. I think he's got like nine points this year, um, which I mean... Everyone goes off points. I know he does everything else. He does a lot of things well, but if he's going to be on the open market, if he's trying to play for a pay raise, um, if the Predators aren't willing to give him that pay raise and he's trying to stand out to another team out there on the open market or on the trade market for that matter, he's facing pressure. He needs to show out. He needs to play really, really well. And and secure himself if he wants to stay with the predators, then he needs to give the predators no choice but to re-sign him. And he has to do yeah. that through his own individual play. And I'm not so sure that he's done enough to really stand out and make Barry Trotz feel like he has to re-sign this guy. Yeah. I don't think he's done enough.
1: No, trying to at the end of the day, you know, he like you said, you know, he is what he is and you know he's do, he does a lot of good things and you might know, appreciate what he does, but at the end of the day, he's a pretty replaceable guy. So I mean you it's not like it's not like he's going to be among trotz's like crazy priorities you can you can find another Yakov trend at the
0: end of the day definitely all right let's see we got some other people jumping in that we got a new uh new post hey, here Matt. on uh on X we got Matt he's giving us some uh i guess some lines that he prefers here he's no, going man. forsberg ROR and Gus Nyquist. We know about that. On his second line, he's got Parson and Novak and Evangelista. Love that second line. Yep. Absolutely love it. His third line, he's got sure. Oh, so he's trying to tell us how Cody glass basically gets back in the lineup. So Matt's got his third line as Kiefer Sherwood, Cody glass, Phil Tomasino. I'm not against that. And then his fourth line is your bruiser line. Your, your hard hitting line, if you will. And that's Yakov, Trenin, Colton Sissons. And Cole Smith. Yeah. And if I you trade like Trent, that
1: lineup, if you trade trend at the deadline, you can certainly bump Sissons over to the wing and put McCarron at center, or vice versa. So yeah, I know for sure.
0: Yeah, so this lineup takes Michael McCarron out and puts uh Cody Glass back in. So yep. I don't know. I just don't know though. That this organization seems to really, really love Michael McCarron in there. Like he's he's been a mainstay on that fourth line. It's
1: you know? it, McCarron's a tough deal for me honestly and I love what he does but at the same time I mean it's, it's I mean one of those one of those grinders is going to have to go out for a guy like Blast to get back in. I mean it, there's no there's
0: no easy decision
1: there whatsoever.
0: All right. Got some other comments on here. Cole Smith 100%. From Nikki uh Buster jumps in and says uh that he wants uh Sherwood back. Sherwood's going to be a tough player to keep. Sherwood might be doing just enough to get a pay raise. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be tough. Yeah, Sherwood's actually one uh, Shash- of I would
1: like to keep, too. Shoshka Tooth can.
0: Tiger jumps in and says, To be honest, Trennan, Sissons, and Forsberg are the players we still have that I really believe in. All right. A huge, huge segment of the fan base loves Yakov Trennan. They do not want to see him be lost. I got plenty of that pushback from the fans when I when I wrote my Yakov Trennan article. Um, about a week ago on this exact subject. It's a very, very touchy subject for Smashville fans. I totally understand why. Let's move down the list. Tyson Berry, pretty obvious one. He's facing a lot of pressure, not because he has a future in Nashville, but because he's trying to find his next team. He is definitely trying to audition for his next team. But unfortunately for Tyson Berry, he's getting very sporadic playing time right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, and he is dealing with injury right now, so that's definitely part of it. But it's also, I mean, his play on this year has not really been inspiring enough for a team to really say, yeah, like we want him. He's he's been up and down, honestly, on, maybe at best. He's it's been a bit of a rough year for Barry.
0: And you know you're looking at the Predators' defensive uh, alignment right here. I really, really love that that Fabro is back on the top pairing with Roman Yosi. I mean, you those hope that two got to stay together. <laughs> what? You hope that lasts at least. It should. I mean, you look yeah, at Money yeah, Puck, the best defensive. You look at the best. De- you look at the best defensive pairings in the in the NHL according to Money Puck in, in terms of expected goals against. Dante Fabio and Yossi Fa- and um, Roman Yossi are top 10 last time I checked. They're right no. up there among the best. You got no, really to keep those two guys together.
1: They do need to be a top pair. I agree with that.
0: So Tyson Berry's facing a ton of pressure just to stand out to another team that might think that they could add him for on the cheap. So he's a pretty easy one. And then to round out my list, I got U C Soros as a player facing a ton of pressure in 2024 because – he really, really needs to get back to his normal yes. form that we know he can get to. He did get the shutout last night, although he didn't face a lot of um, tough chances against the Blackhawks. But still, he he delivered. He got the shutout. Yep. He did. He stopped everything that came after him. He's got to kick it up to another gear yep. in the second half of the season. He really has to. No, he, for this he, Predators he, team He's got to be way the, more
1: consistent. With,
0: he's got to be way more consistent. He's been extremely streaky this year. And no. if he stays... If he keeps being that stre- streaky of a goaltender, it's gonna make it really hard on the organization to full long term invest in Soros when those contract negotiations come up, if they haven't already started happening.
1: Yeah, I mean it's yeah, and it, it's another thing too. It's like you, you got asked Scarf in the fold of them playing well recently. It yeah, there's 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 there are no answers with with this goaltending core right now, really, on, to be very honest.
0: Matt on Twitter says Trennan would look good in a Rangers sweater in March. And Matt over I here is a Rangers. Is going to-
1: and so he and we've actually Matt and I interact with each other a lot, like lot um individually, and he we we talk about how Trennan might be a player they look at because the Rangers are going to have to um get some depth to their bottom six to go to the playoffs.
0: Oh, any team contending for the playoffs that's not content with their uh, with their depth. They're gonna be very interested in someone like Yakov Trenin, so just keep that in mind. Yep. All right. So uh, Max, anyone else you would submit to this list of players facing the most pre- pressure for the Predators in 2024? I do have I do have one more, and
1: that's Alexander Carrier. He's going to be okay. a U- UFA at the end of this year, and a big part of the reason I have him on there is because Carrier's been pretty solid, you know, defensively, but his offensive game, a part of his game that he is you know known to be good at it has not been sharp this year. If you look up, if you look on money puck and you look at like the offensive categories, he's near the bottom in pretty much everyone. And not only for a team like the predators to be, to want to keep him, for other teams out there to really want to, you know, pay him and bring him on as a huge member of their team. He's got to get that offensive game going or, or else he may not be the commodity we once thought he was going to be. I mean, that's, yeah, like that's such a part of his game and he has to be, it has to be better at this point. It's, it is his third full year, and you thought at this point it would be taking a good step up, but it just hasn't at this point, and it's got to get better for him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's a UFA uh, as well in 2024, so yeah. I mean, free agency is going to be very, very interesting for this team, no matter where they finish, whether they make the playoffs or not. Yeah, uh, it's 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 we haven't really seen Barry Trotz fully go through an off-season yet. He was technically making decisions, even though he wasn't the official title yet this past off-season, but we know he was very much involved in getting Ryan O'Reilly and all that. But this is going to be his first off-season as general manager where he has to really try to keep players within the organization that he doesn't want to lose. We haven't seen him do that yet. We haven't seen him go through an off-season like that. More
1: more so than that. This is going to be his first deadline that trade deadline he's gonna have on his oh. own because last time that happened you know david ploy was still there and we could, at that point he was still kind of in the shadow but you know once the offseason began you know mm-hmm. we knew it was pretty much Trotz but deadline that's a different story we're gonna see how trot handles handles this on his very own
0: oh yeah and we really really have no idea no idea at all how Trots is going to handle this trade deadline. We have no idea. We're two months yeah, away, yeah. basically. Two months away. Yeah. It's going to come up quick. A lot can happen in the standings between now and then that'll dictate how Trots handles it. I know a lot of people are nervous about it. I, sitting here in January, I feel like Trots is not going to do that much, simply put, because I don't think there's a whole lot out there to go after. If anything, he's going to trade a player or two off the roster to I make agree. room yeah. for more players to move up.
1: No, I don't think the Preds is a huge buyer yet. They're not there yet. They they got to go a little more and get, become a little more established. But I, if, I definitely see us, if anything else, being more sellers than buyers. Because if, if anything, yeah. we have too many roster spots
0: taken up. Exactly. If you add more... I don't see how it happens, but we have plenty of time to talk about that um, coming up here in the next couple of months. So we don't want to dive too far into that. So those are our players that we feel like are facing the most pressure right now for the Predators heading in now that we are in 2024 and going into the second half of the season. All right, let's tell you about DraftKings. We still have an awesome NHL offer going for you right now. Bet the action on the ice with, DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the NHL matchups for Thursday. If you're listening to this podcast today, we got a lot of – let's check out the NHL games that we got on the Thursday slate. So Thursday, January 4th, we got the Buffalo Sabres at the Montreal Canadiens, and you've got the Sabres as the favorites there. You got the Blue Jackets at the Flyers, with the Flyers being the favorites. You got the Bruins at home against – the Pittsburgh Penguins as the favorites and ooh heavy about as heavy of a favorite as you'll ever see in a hockey game the New York Rangers are heavy heavy favorites at home against the Chicago Blackhawks yeah. you got the Lightning at the Wild in a very close matchup according to DraftKings Canucks at the Blues Avalanche at the Dallas Stars probably your matchup of the night right there yeah and then you've got the Flames at the Nashville Predators. Yeah, Predators are the very, very slight favorites going in right now. But that is a pretty, pretty close matchup according to DraftKings. The Islanders at the Coyotes. Senators at the Kraken. Panthers at the Golden Knights. Red Wings at the Kings. And Jets at the Sharks. So in other words, a full slate of NHL games for you on this Thursday, January 4th. And so, with that, let's tell you about our offer with DraftKings. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 8778 H O P E N Y or text H O P E N Y. That's 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance at DKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League, copyright NHL 2023, all rights reserved. So let's move on to our New Year's resolutions for the Predators. We did this last year uh, with Rich Howe on the show. And um, I would have to go back and remember what all my New Year's resolutions were. And if I lived up to them, honestly, I'm already starting to forget what my resolutions for 2023 were when it came to the Predators. So I'll have to go back to the tape and watch that again. But let's do our 2024 resolutions, Max. Give me yours first. So, are we talking about like us
1: personally, or like for the team? Yeah, us I mean, personally? yeah, tied into the team. So, I, I'm not gonna lie; I was kind of waiting for you to say so I can piggyback off it. Can you you go first and give your resolutions?
0: Oh, you're gonna make me go first, huh? Yeah, we gotta shoot you guys straight. My there. New Year's, yeah. my New Year's resolution for the Predators or the team would be. For Nashville to finally regain that playoff atmosphere, if they yeah. make it in the playoffs, yeah, Smashville playoffs weren't didn't feel the same the last couple of years when they did make the playoffs against because the, they were heavy underdogs and we really didn't feel like there was a lot to hope for. If they were to make the playoffs this year, I think the atmosphere and the intensity would feel so much different because it's Barry Trotz's team now. Right. It's Andrew Burnett's team. There's a new life. There's a new you know, revitalization of this team with the speed they have now and the young kids. If this team were to make the playoffs, that Smashville playoff atmosphere, I think, would come back. The playoff atmosphere that we had in 2017 and even the years before they went to the Stanley Cup, the the atmosphere for Nashville Predators' home playoff games were some of the best in the league at the time. I want to see that come back. That's my resolution for this team.
1: I would say my resolution is kind of a boring one because I'm kind of piggybacking off what we were talking about. But this needs to figure out their lineup decisions and just have a group they go in night in and night out and they don't really deviate from. It's just gotta you, you again, you just you can't keep switching guys, especially on the defense with the how you know Dante Fabro and other guys are switched out repeatedly. You you gotta figure something out there and because it's it's only fair to the it's only fair to the players and everyone else. You know, no one wants to, you know, because it's a and it's harder to game chemistry that way. So we got to just figure out a consistent few lines and just roll with them through the remainder of the year because right now this roster is not the typical way you'd say a mess, but this roster in terms of how many decisions you have is kind of
0: a mess right now. Yeah, and I think it's going to continue to be that way for a little bit just because yep. even halfway through the season now, still a lot of trial and error going on here. Yep. Still a lot that Andrew Burnett's trying to figure out. But I do think he's starting to really get an idea of what he wants. Yeah, especially with Yossi and Fabro back on the same pairing together. Especially with your top line and even your second line looks pretty looks pretty good right now with Novak yeah. centering the second line. So I do think he's starting to really be set on most of his lines. But there's just there's a lot of um, X factors right now that he's still trying to figure out. And he he got the first line, which
1: is really good. He that's not changing, but. You got to get the rest of the team. You know, one line is not your whole team, so you got to get some you got to get more consistency in there because yeah, this roster has a this roster's got a lot of questions right now.
0: Here's my next New Year's resolution. This can be settled very, very quickly. Very early in 2024. I'm talking like in the next few days. avenge the Dallas loss. Yeah. Beat the Dallas Stars in one of these next two games coming up and I will feel so much better. I just feel like I know that the Predators have had some some success over the last couple of years against Dallas. I know they kept him out of the playoffs that one year, but yep. it really feels like Dallas just owns this franchise right now. You know, we went through some, you know, we we had the playoff series against
1: them and we lost to them. Then we went through kind of the few years when um the COVID the um the COVID shortened year, then the year after that, we kind of felt like we were having some success against them and now it kind of feels like they've taken it back. It's been it's been kind of back and forth between what team really owns each other in this
0: rivalry, which is kind of crazy. It's turned out to be a great rivalry, by yeah, the way, absolutely. Absolutely. It really has been, but the predators um, are going to get a chance really soon to avenge that. And I don't, I, that, that bad taste is going to stick in my mouth. That loss right before Christmas, that's going to stick in my mouth until the predators beat the Dallas stars head to head. And, what sucks so bad about that loss is I highly regard the Dallas stars as a top Stanley cup contender right now. And to just completely fall apart and give them that game in the last 60 seconds is just such a gut punch. So I really want to see if that was just a fluke or if the predators really are a team that can go toe to toe with someone like Dallas and what better way to do that than your next matchup against Dallas, you go out there and you leave no stone unturned and you play a 60 minute game when you have Dallas down you keep them down you don't let them back in they're such a good team you don't need to do them any favors right that's that's something i really really want to see happen it's just a really important you, game and then you play them next friday the again team. in dallas so you got two you
1: got two matchups with dallas really quickly so and it's really, really big for the here.
0: standings. If the Predators want to be in that top 3, if they want to be considered in that top 3 with Winnipeg and Colorado and Dallas, they got to win these games. They yep. can't just beat up on Chicago and some of these lesser lesser teams. They got to start beating the top teams. They've got a couple impressive wins this year. They beat New York early in the season. They got to win over Toronto. They beat Colorado in that exciting fashion, but they need to they need to start beating some of these teams when they have them down. So let's see what they can do against Dallas in the rematch. Two rematches. Yep. yep. I would say my next resolution. Right. Is, oh, can I go next one?
1: No, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I would say my next resolution is for this team to find a way to not be as streaky one way or another. Because, like, the Preds have, honestly, so far, halfway through the year, it's been a team where we. It, it's kind of hard to get a read on them because – they start up the year 5-10-0, like really bad. Then we had the month-long stretch of 13-3-0. You know? Then we kind of cooled down after that. Then we beat Chicago yesterday, although we didn't play our best hockey. So what, you got to figure out what this team is one way or another. And, you know, you would you would think that the, over time the law of averages is going to play out and you're going to start to not be quite as streaky. But, you know, one way or another, we got to get an answer as to what this team is. That's mm-hmm. going to give us an idea of, like, are we – should we buy? Should we sell? What should we do with the deadline? Like, it's – You got to answer that. You got to answer that question.
0: Well, you know, unfortunately hockey is just a streaky beast in and of itself. I mean, look at, look at like a team like Vegas. I mean, even they're going through a bad streak right now. I mean, no team is really safe from going through uh, peaks and valleys of a, of a season, like very, very rarely. I mean, every now and then you get teams like the Bruins who went on that crazy run um, and won the president's trophy recently. But I mean, for the most part, It's just the grind of an 82-game season. Everyone goes through their peaks and valleys, and the Predators have been no strangers to that. So, yeah, I would love to see them become a more consistent team and be less streaky. But unfortunately, with so many young players in the mix that are still developing in their own way, they're going to keep being a streaky team, most likely. They're going to look really good on some nights, and then there's going to be nights where they look really, really bad. I just think that's the product of a really young team.
1: I actually look out tomorrow people. I have an article that I'm finishing tonight kind of explaining why this team is so streaking, what that kind of means going forward. So look out for that one.
0: There you go. Look for it on predlines.com. We'll have it up for you to check that out. All right. I think it's time to pick out the two winners for the catfish and ice t-shirts and we're going to send some stickers as well with that shirt. Also, I've got some, I've got a connection back home in Nashville um, who gets some of the cra- craziest, like, random Nashville Predators stuff. Like, it's the most random stuff ever sometimes this guy gets. And I won't name this person, but he's got really good connections, and he just gets the most random stuff. And so when I was back home in Nashville for Christmas, I got a whole bunch of stickers with players' names and numbers on them that they use to put on signed hockey sticks. Wow! So whenever Luke Evangelista signs a stick, he puts the- they put this sticker, this predator sticker, on the signed stick. So I've got a bunch of those stickers. So I'm going to send those also out with these T-shirts that I'm going to be giving out. So let's pick our winner. First of all, let me pull out the original contest that we put on Twitter or X, whatever. So it was originally, we all we did was ask, who is your most underrated player in Preds history? So I want to kind of read some of the comments here first before I draw the two winners. And so we got a lot of really good responses here. Uh, Keith on Keith says that I know he was appreciated by our fan base, but I think Ryan Ellis never got the credit he deserved from around the league. I thought that was a really good answer. That is a
1: good one, actually. I like Ryan Ellis a lot when he was on the press. Ryan
0: Ellis was definitely underrated and and yeah. now missed. Uh, Predhead Taylor puts on there uh, Rocco Rocco Grimaldi. Yep. Uh, Lens says Ryan Ellis. So we have another Ryan Ellis submission um liz who's also in our fantasy hockey league said connor ingram great guy great goalie but definitely didn't get enough ice time in nashville uh justin gambino who uh is also in our fantasy hockey league and i think he's in the comments tonight as well uh through in colton sissons as his answer is the most underrated uh Nikki says james neal poor guy gets no recognition 2017 playoff run was a lot of clutch timely goals from him uh, catfish Jake, our good friend Catfish Jake, who originally threw the catfish on the ice and inspired the name of this podcast. Uh, he also says Colton Sissons by a mile. We've got Freddie Gaudreau as an answer. So, time to draw our two winners. I got right. the hat right here. Wrote these out on pieces of paper. Let's see who the first one is. All right. Let's see when you see it. Johnny, our friend Johnny, Johnny. is the first t shirt winner. He That's does the PFR right videos. There. He normally catches he never he normally never catches the live show, so I don't think he's watching tonight. But I will get with Johnny. I'll D him him later and let him know he won one of the shirts. He's gonna get some stickers. That's yep. our first winner. And he did actually, let me read his response. He did compete in the contest, and Johnny also Johnny went with Craig Smith. Fan favorite Craig Smith, his hardworking nature always endeared himself to the fan fan base. The way he expressed his anger after losing to Dallas in 2019 was like, yes, that man is speaking for me. Y'all know my feelings about Craig Smith. That dude is one of my favorite players in Preds history. So Johnny is our first winner.
1: What's up? Before you draw the next one, can I give one? I don't know if it's most underrated, but there's one I really appreciate when he was in Nashville. Nick Bonino, I thought was really underrated, oh. not appreciated enough. And that man wasn't Nick like Nick Bonino was definitely a good one, and he wasn't like a huge player or anything. But like he, that man felt like he did everything right, and you need guys like that in your bottom six. So Nick Bonino is definitely one I think deserves more recognition among Preds fans.
0: All right, definitely. All right, let's let's pick our and Max Max is getting his T shirt in the mail. Hopefully by the next episode, live episode, he'll have his shirt in the mail one's good. All right, let's pick the next winner. Got to shuffle them up good here. All right, here we go. It is another person in our hockey league. Liz. Liz Liz is our other t-shirt winner. She's the hockey goalie. She's in our league. She's awesome. Sometimes she jumps into live episodes. So Johnny and Liz are are our T-shirt winners for this contest. I've got a few more shirts left, so I'll probably do another giveaway at some point. We're going to get more shirts made. Going to get some new hats made as well. So we got more merchandise coming down the pipe. So Liz and Johnny, congratulations. You've won our two shirts and stickers and player hockey stick stickers as well. So... I, got, I think I got some Tomasino stickers, some Luke Evangelista stickers, um, a few other players. Maybe Colton Sissons is one of them. So I'll have them pick out what stickers they want. So I'll get with them. Awesome. Love giving away stuff. So let's move along here in Episode 215 of Catfish and Ice. Something I forgot to mention in the intro, but I definitely want to touch on it with you, Max. So tomorrow the NHL will announce their first 32 All-Star selections. Each team gets an yep. All-Star pick. So are we pretty, pretty positive that Philip Forsberg is going to be our first All-Star selection? Yeah. Most likely?
1: Yeah, I would think so.
0: Yeah. So after that, the fans get to vote on the remaining 12 players. Aside from Philip Forsberg, who do you think is most deserving of getting an All-Star selection from the fan vote? I think it's probably Ryan O'Reilly would be the most popular choice. Him or Roman Yossi. Roman Yossi is always going to get a lot in the fan vote. He is and he's Yossi's always gonna get the fan vote. I am probably gonna put my I'm probably gonna put my fan vote to Ryan O'Reilly, though. Okay. Just because the way he is so quickly came into this franchise and came into this organization and made his impact instantly. There was no learning curve. There was no easing into it and taking some time to get comfortable. The guy literally scored a power play goal in his NHL Preds debut against Tampa. So the guy just never missed a beat right when he came in, his leadership is so obvious on the ice and the way the young players feed off him. So my vote would definitely go to Ryan O'Reilly and the fan vote, but Roman Yossi is always going to be a safe bet as well.
1: And he's number seven among defensemen in points, so that's a pretty big deal too. Again, points aren't everything, but just so, Yossi is still Yossi.
0: Not so sure that the Predators will actually get anybody in on the fan vote because, of course, it's a popularity contest. It's not necessarily about skills. And um, if we know anything about the fan vote, usually the big market teams are the teams that get all the uh, fan voted players. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So tomorrow, or today I should say, if you're listening the next day, we will find out each all-star selection from each team because all 32 teams get representation. Fully expecting it's going to be Philip Forsberg for the Predators. All right. All right. We're about to wrap up episode 215 of Catfish on Ice. But before we do that, got a couple more things to get into. The Winter Classic came and went. Did you get a chance to watch the Winter Classic, Max, uh, with the Seattle Kraken shutting out the the Golden Knights?
1: You know, not as much as I would like because it always interferes with the college football playoff.
0: That and and look, so got some pretty rough numbers ratings-wise, TV ratings-wise. Did you see these numbers? No, I did not. Max, when it, Oh, it's not good. It's not good. Oh. So let me pull it up here. So the 2024 Winter Classic TV ratings was the lowest, the lowest TV rating since 2008, and that was the first year of it. If I if yeah, the, I remember correctly, so I get, so I guess that's the lowest in the history of the Winter Classic. Oh,
1: that's not one. Good.
0: So they averaged 1.1 million viewers. Of course, it was broadcast on TNT and True TV. Not easy going up against the college football playoff. No, that's um, never work just out. looking. So this comes from Braylon Breeze on X. I want to make sure I give credit for who posted this. Um, but yeah, so 1.1 million viewers for Vegas versus Seattle. Last year, in comparison, it was 1.78 million viewers for Pittsburgh versus Boston. The year before that, it was pre low, it was 1.36 million for st louis and minnesota and then the preds dallas stars winter classic um, from the cotton bowl was 1.97 million viewers that's actually the highest rated winter classic in the last five years yeah that's the last yeah the last four years last four years i'm sorry and what kind of killed the nhl
1: this time because 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 it was in seattle it's a few hours behind so the game started at two o'clock central the playoff was starting at Four, at the playoff game starting at 4 p.m., not to mention there were other games going, including um, the Tennessee Vols game, which I watched. So it was like, what am I going to do?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. it's really tough. And I think that one of the problems the NHL is running into is it's not – the Winter Classic has kind of lost its um, – it, got I the guess. Stadium Series games now and stuff, and it's like the whole outdoor thing doesn't really draw people in anymore like it used to. And it's like uh, when they first started. It's another regular season game. Yeah. When they first started it, when they first started the outdoor game, it was, it was like must watch if you were a hockey fan, but now I'm not so sure that it's must watch, you know? And like, it's the NHL is going to have to figure out a way to spark interest in it again. Cause right now I just don't, it's just not as special of of an event as it used to be. Now with that said, if Nashville ever hosts, a, oh, God. A, a winter classic, I will be there. I will oh, do whatever it takes to be there. Oh, but the problem too. is, we already kind of talked about it. We don't know how Nashville's ever going to host a game because Nissan Stadium is, is going away and the Titans' new stadium is going to be an indoor stadium. There's nowhere else in Nashville to play an outdoor game. But you are a Tennessee Vols fan, Max. What do you think yeah. if they played it at Neyland Stadium? Uh, yeah. I don't know about that one. Filling a hundred thousand seat stadium three hours
1: away, oh, that's a tall order. But and it would be you know really what?
0: tough. You well, one thing. I let, me say let me say this. Let me just say about. this. Sure. Let me just say this. Yep. I think it could work if you planned for it and you built and if you did a good job of giving Predators fans a reason to make the drive from Nashville to Knoxville. A lot of fan, a lot of Preds fans who live in Nashville are Vols fans. So they have no problem going out to Knoxville. Yep. If you could figure out a, a, an effective way to market it and and get Preds fans out there, I think they would make the trip. I really do. I think it could work. So I was thinking kind of one
1: thing, on um, a Preds game not in Nashville, whether it was Swinner Classic Stadium Series, whatever it was, if the NHL decided to do neutral site games, I think one thing that could really work out blues versus predators in Memphis Liberty bowl.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I don't see a lot of people really trying to go out of their way to go to Memphis right now, but it could work. I do think, I do think you could work with that though. Nealon stadium. You could, you could play against the Carolina hurricanes to make it an easy trip for hurricanes fans. Someone on Twitter posted about that. And I totally agree. Um, They've already kind of got some bad blood with each other. The Canes and the Predators do, both fan bases. That'd be an easy drive for Carolina fans. It'd be an easy – you'd have a central location. You, the hot hockey hot NHL could sell it as hockey in the mountains. I mean, I think it could work. I really Honest, do. And that
1: could honestly be another one of those kind of neutral sites, if you will. The NHL, honestly, they should start doing neutral sites for some of these, these outdoor games. For example, could you imagine – Wild Blackhawks at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. It'd be cool. It'd be really cool. Crazy. But not Preds, so, so go, we'll go too far there.
0: So who would be your top team that you would want to see the Predators face if they hosted a Winter Classic? I think it's Dallas Stars, a rematch of the Cotton Bowl game. Easy choice for me. If it's not the Stars, then I would – Pick the Hurricanes because you want to. You really want to see the Predators face another Southern team. I think that just works well. It's easy to market it when you've got two teams from the South playing each other. So for me, it would be Dallas one, my top preferred opponent. Have a rematch of the Winter Classic from Dallas or from the Cotton Bowl or against the Hurricanes at Neyland Stadium. That would be really cool as well. I,
1: I, I would have said the Stars, but we already played them. I would like to see the blues if we hosted a winter classic.
0: That's a good choice. I think well. that would
1: be good, like St. Louis, really close. That'd be an easy drive for them. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Against the blues.
0: Definitely. All right. We are going to round out episode 215 of Catfish and Ice presented by DraftKings, part of the hockey podcast network. If you're catching us on YouTube right now, we appreciate a subscribe down at the bottom. That'd be really helpful. Appreciate you watching. All right. So Smashville Pulse. It's a new segment we're going to try here in 2024 where we look up what's going on on social media. What are Predators fans talking about? And so let me start with how people feel about the UC Soros trade rumors. And I'm seeing a split fan base right now. A lot of people are loyal to, to UC Soros. A lot of people are ready to trade him seeing a lot of that from the fans out there. Um, Whereas if you would have asked that question a year or two ago, I think a lot more people would have been on board with UC Soros is untouchable. I'm not seeing that now from fans across social media. A lot more fans are starting to come around with the business decision here of let's flip UC Soros now and move on and get, get a King's ransom for him. I'm seeing a lot of fans come that way.
1: Yeah. It's tough. Honestly, you know, it's from what we've seen with Barry Trotz. it seems like he really wants to keep Soros, And like, I, and I can't, you know, it's one of those things where you really can't blame for that. You know, you, it's hard to, you know, part with goaltenders like that when you have them, but if the Preds are going to go still, or they can continue kind of their retool slash rebuild. And they have a guy like a Scaroff in the system and you don't, and you don't want to rush the Scaroff to be a starter so quickly, but if you kind of go with one or two years with a scar off at, and like a vet- another veteran goaltender, you can kind of split the, um, or I mean, theoretically, a of and Lincoln, you kind of split their starts through the next one or two years. That could be, that could work for sure. But I, I would say, you know, me personally, I don't know that I'm quite ready to answer that question just yet.
0: I'm not either. Yeah, I I, I don't know how to feel about it. I mean, it, I guess it would all depend on what the return was. I mean, yeah. if, if, if it's if it's a trade return that's too good to, to pass up, then I guess I would have to get on board with it. But I haven't came to that realization yet that I think that, that the best decision right now is to trade UC Soros. Because great yeah. top five goalies do not come around very easily. This franchise has been blessed with great goalies throughout its history. Yep. The last thing you want is to end up trading away Soros, Eskarov is not who you thought he was, and then suddenly you're in a position that you've pretty much never been in since you've been a franchise. You could be out in the cold without a franchise goalie just like that. Yeah. If you You don't don't handle the Soros situation the right way. You could be with – I mean, think about this franchise from the beginning. From the beginning, they had Mike Dunham, Tomas Vukun, then they had Chris Mason. They had Dan Ellis, who were good goalies. Then Pecorine finally came up and did what he did. And then you go to UC Saros. I mean, you've just been blessed with great goalies. This, these fan, Most of these fans don't know what it's like to have a team that doesn't have a reliable goalie. And that's why a lot of fans are freaking out right now about how Soros has played in the first half, is they're worried that he is becoming that type of a goaltender. But I don't think it just happens overnight, that suddenly he's a bad goalie. You know,
1: no, I mean, and I, and I still think he's better than what he's shown. And I've been I've been one of those who's been pretty vocal saying, you know, you got to let him get through the early season season jitters. But like at this this point, now you're like, you got to get it together. You got to consistently get it together pretty quickly. I mean, he and he was doing really well in that, you know, month long winning stretch. And we thought, you know, he's he's back like he never left. But like you got you got to be more consistent. You know, at this point, I think we can safely say that. Juice has not been what we expected him to be or what he really should be.
0: Yep. I mean, it's, and and this is going to keep coming up until Soros gets a new contract. It's going to keep coming up. It's going to be one of the top conversations that Preds fans have on social media with each other is what's going to happen with UC Soros. And right now it feels like the fan base is very, very split on, Yep how they feel about it which yeah. is pretty shocking pretty shocking that it fans are or, fans are starting to think that all right with that said we are going to let you go here for episode 215 of catfish and ice with max greenberg and chad mitten thank you for watching and listening to the first episode of 2024 we hope your new year is off to an amazing start we will see you next week for a new episode congrats to the winners of the two shirts and the stickers And we will be getting in touch with you soon. We will do more merchandise giveaways in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Follow us on X at Catfish Ice on Facebook and also hit subscribe on YouTube. Until then, everyone stay safe and take care. We'll see you next time. See you guys later.